Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. It's a good conversation. It's one of those that could last a while. How many of you have had someone that's made an impact in your life? Just raise your hand. Yeah, so there's a person that invested in you, cared for you, showed you the way. We're so grateful for those kind of people in our life. And uh, I'm really excited because we get to kind of have that with us today in terms of someone that's done that in my life, Christy's life. This is, this is Billy Patterson. Would you welcome Billy? Give us, say hello to him. Billy and his wife, Kelly Patterson, they're both here. They've, uh, they've been friends for a number of years, but more specifically mentors in our life. And this day has been a long time coming to have Billy come and join us. And he's going to be preaching in a few moments. But before he just got up here and started going after it, I thought, hey, let's have a conversation and slow things down and get to know one another, but also get to hear the, a little bit of the heart behind Billy is and... and uh, and just the ministry that God's done in his life. And so before we even do that, though, I mean, what a time of worship, right? Like, Amen. I mean, how many of you guys know that God comes where he's wanted? Yes. And, and when, when I say that, I mean that with, like, my whole conviction. Like, I want us to be a church that wants to be in the presence of God. Amen? Like, that just longs for it. It says in Psalms that where the presence of the Lord is is the fullness of joy. And so I know for those of us who are here today and maybe you're hurting and you're just like, man, I haven't felt joy in a long time. I'm telling you there's one place that it's at. It's in the presence of the Lord. That's it. That's the place. Amen. And so we want to just encourage you today that you're in the right spot with God's people because where, where, where we are uh, together, we know that God is with us. And so today we're just prayerful for you that, that God moves in your life and he meets you where you're at. We're thankful you're here. So my friend. So uh, I'll kind of set this up, and then I'll ask you a couple quick questions. Okay. So first of all, um, just so you know, Billy's been in ministry for like a hundred, couple hundred years, years now, um, something like that. And uh, no, he's, we met about seven, eight years ago. We were planting this church, and he was leading a cohort for church planters. And so uh, I was like, uh, sign me up, please. I need all the help I can get. And so every since then, uh, we've kind of grabbed a hold and and just learned all we could from uh, Billy and Kelly as a couple. Christy and Kelly meet together all the time as well. And so uh, that's a little bit of our background. And so I want you to know that because even as he shares his heart today, you'll sense the purpose and why he's here. Um, and that having people in your life that care about you and invest in you and you doing that for others is such an important part of what it means to follow Jesus. And so, but before we even get into that heart, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you, your family, kind of yeah. where you live, all those good things. Well, married to Kelly for 34 years, and we are going strong. And we've got four boys. Um, two are in Nashville. They're doing some music stuff. And then 
two are in Oklahoma. One lives in Oklahoma City, my oldest, and then my youngest goes to OU. And Kelly and I just recently moved to Texas, where she is a sixth grade English teacher, and um, she likes middle school. That's a little strange, but nobody likes middle school. She, she made a mid-course correction. Like, it's not a correction. She did ministry full time for about 32 years, and now she's doing ministry in the schools. God called her there, and she's doing an amazing job. So we moved down there. God just led us there, at least for now. We're in Dallas, and um, but it's also given me the freedom to jump in, so uh, and just do more with the pastors who, excuse me, a little emotional, um, with the pastors that God's put in my life. I love John 17 where it says, Jesus actually said, I was faithful with the men you gave me. And it doesn't mean I need to be faithful with everyone, and, and nor can um, Christy and Tim. But God knows, and I um, I'm, I have that privilege now, so I've set up my life to where I'm actually involved in pastors' um, lives, um, mentoring, or really just absolutely just running alongside, trying to find ways to help. And so that's what we do. Yeah, and in case, I mean, just even before that, pastor for years, uh, min missionary, you've done a lot of different things, church planting, and mm -hmm. now you're just investing in pastors, which that's is an right. amazing ministry. And, you know, uh, one of your life messages is to abide in Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did a series just not that long ago called Abide. And I thought about bringing him in for that. But it, then none of my messages would have been good because his would have, like, <laughs> been amazing. So I said, you got to come, like, a month later. But uh, I'll show them how good you are in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so, but tell us a little bit about that heart for abiding in Christ because that's such a, I mean, even when we were doing that series, they don't know this, but I'm thinking about you and the things you've said to me over the years about that message. And so just, yeah, share a little bit about that. Well, I, I think just being in ministry, you're, um, you know, I like we were missionaries, then we were church planners, and then we've been on pastoral teams. Um, and working with pastors is a unique, you know, working alongside them and being one. I know the pressures of it. Like it's, it's definitely, it's so hard not to strive um, to accomplish things on your own power. And a lot of times that's what pastors do, and they, they, they run out of steam, they often fail. And about, I don't know, how long ago was it, honey? About 20 years ago, maybe? I mean, we ran into what's called the new covenant. Jesus, you know, brought us a new covenant, and we remember that around the Lord's table. But... In the process of studying the New Covenant, I ran into John 15 for the first time in a new way. And it really, bottom line, this short circuit, I'm going to bring abiding up because I do every time I speak. But um, when it says, apart from me, you can do nothing, that should wake us all up. Because we all try to do it on our own. We all try to fix things. We think we can fix them. We strive to make things work. And... That just, that's who I was. I was doing that in every way. And I realized, no, Jesus, you're going to be the center stage now. And so it just transformed my life, my, the way of thinking, everything. Like, there is not one thing I can do apart from Christ, but with Christ, with abiding in him, 
that's when fruit is produced. So that's why it changed everything for so us. Good. Well, uh, just one more question before, you know, yeah. I pray for you and you, you share a little bit from the word. But the um, really kind of the heart behind this in some ways is just like this picture of, of mentorship. You use a lot of times the words um, spiritual eldership, um, mm -hmm. spiritual parenting, that every one of us are called to this idea of investing in someone else and raising them up in Christ. Yes. It's, it's a common word is discipleship, right? Right. And so that's what you've given your life to. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe just as a way of kind of opening up kind of the heart behind that, just like for you and Kelly both, that's been your lifestyle. Share a little bit about why and how that has become just what you live and breathe. Well, it's a new day. And I, I struggle always having to say this because we, I go back and I say, during COVID, I'm actually tired of talking about COVID, but during COVID, as a pastor, I was pastoring at a church, actually not far from here. I was one of the pastors. And I realized, and this is true at all churches, that when COVID hit, everyone kind of, I looked around for the men my age, and I couldn't find many. And I wondered, what is, what is the weakness here? Like, why, why aren't these older men eldering people with me right now? This is a crisis, you know? It's like, and I realized that, well, I haven't been doing a very good job spiritually parenting me, men, calling them, like I'll share in a moment, to aspire to be an elder as you grow older. And so I've just been doing that since then. Like since COVID, I've been just talking not about the title elder, I'm talking about the verb, the actual word, eldering. And so that, that to me was the wake-up call. And now I'm, that's my message. One of my messages is just calling people to be a part of eldering the people around you. Really. It's going to be good, guys. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. And then uh, we're going to do this. God, thanks so much for Bill and Kelly being here today. We're so grateful that, Lord... Um, You've deposited a word in him and a ministry and a, a hope that uh, today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna reap the benefits of the the deposits you put in them. And so, God, I just pray for him. You know, in his words, use this time, open our hearts and our minds to what you want to show us and teach us today. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Everybody said, yeah. one more time, welcome, Billy. Thank you. You know, I was standing back there with him. We were about to walk out here. And I was overwhelmed, Chrissy, with the... You don't start a message crying, but that's typically my DNA right now. Um, just the beauty of that God is using you guys. You're doing it. Like, I just... That, that phrase just came to me, like, you're doing it. You're doing what God called you to do. You guys have great pastors. Great pastors. Yeah. All right. Well, does anybody have the fountain of youth around here? Because I feel like I'm about to turn 60, and I'm definitely, I feel like Kelly and I are on the search. Isn't it crazy how many oils and vitamins and, um, you know, exercises diets that literally call you to this is going to happen you're going to save your youth 
your youthfulness if you do these things. Well, Kelly and I, it's now become a hobby. Like, do you have a hobby? Yeah, we find things that try to keep us young. Um, one morning, I woke up after six months of doing one of these youth, Fountain of Youth things. Like, we've been doing this every morning, and I wake up, and I pour vinegar in some water, and I drink it down. And, of course, this vinegar has this thing in it called the mother. I, I literally don't know half the things I'm doing right now. So it has this thing that grows in the vinegar. I'm not going to embarrass you by saying if any of y'all do this, but it grows and it gets bigger. And for some reason, I realized that day, I wanted to ask Kelly, why am I drinking this? And I said, Kelly, why do we, why do we drink this again? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> and so we did the the most intelligent thing and we just keep drinking it <laughs> Psalm 92 does a great job of one of the places where God talks about growing old it's beautiful he gives us this this vision of staying fresh and flourishing the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree love palm trees he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon I love cedars those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Man, that's a great verse. I used to think that, um, that this word righteous was something I was supposed to do. But it turns out that when I believed in Jesus, that I gave him my filthy rags. And he gave me righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about the living righteousness. Just hang around with me for five minutes and you'll know that I don't always live righteously. But that moment, I became righteous. I'm not just making this up. Paul says it in Romans 5.18. If you have a Bible, you'll have to pull up some of these verses. I don't have this on the slide. But for as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obe obedience, Jesus, his obedience to the cross, also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Jesus, his righteousness perfect sacrifice. He pays what we deserved, death. Being in a place where there's no loving God, and then we receive his righteousness. Gosh, that is so unfair. But that's the God who loves you and you and you. I'd go through it. I don't have that much time, but I'd go through everyone. He loves you with that kind of love. The verse, uh, I'm going to pull it up if you want to, Philippians 3.8. Some of you have it memorized. You've heard this verse, and you've memorized it like I did when I was younger. And yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish 
that I may gain Christ. Christ. The problem is, oftentimes, we don't finish the sentence. What's it called? And, my English teacher? It's a conjunction. Conjunction, junction. There's a conjunction. It's the word and. And it says, what does it say? And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. We receive this righteousness by faith. Faith alone. It comes from simply this is not a difficult thing, but it's simply a belief that Jesus is Lord. We celebrate, celebrated him and him being Lord today. But then there's this thing about fruit. It says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. We aren't fruit trees. I mean, we're people. But we are referred to by Jesus as people created to bear fruit. And I love the word bear, right? What if this verse was said it this way? They shall still be producing fruit in their old age. They still be fresh and flourishing. They wouldn't be fresh and flourishing. No way. There's no way if we're producing the fruit would we be fresh and flourishing. But I also love the word faith because faith is what, is what actually brings this righteousness. So there's the righteousness that we receive when we believe. And then there's righteous living. And that's where this word fruit comes into play, right? Fruit is where we actually get to present ourselves as a Christ follower. You don't, you don't know me. Me simply saying that, hey, I'm a Christian, doesn't do it. But if you see me love you, I love that word. Jason Upton once sang a song called, There's No Mistaking Love. Absolutely true. You just don't mistake it. So if that's a fruit, which it is, the Holy Spirit produces through us, when we love, that's the indicator. Fruit is the indicator. So being in him through faith, we bear fruit. John 15, here we are. It is the verse. We're not going to get into the, the, in half a second, we'll get back here, I promise you. But John 15, 8 is an interesting verse. It says, my father is glorified by this, by what? Bearing much fruit. And what does it do? It proves you're a disciple of his. See, as Christians, we're actually, he's the master, we follow him. He's our teacher. We're his disciple. Teach us, Lord. And Jesus says, as we'll see in a minute, you go tell others. Go make other disciples for that same purpose. But after Jesus tells the disciples in those first seven verses about abiding in him, he shares that we glorify the Father by bearing fruit. And this is, as I shared, my favorite portion of the scripture, John 15, 16, and 17. We must recognize the importance of fruit. 
It's a part of us as Christians. Our heart on its own will grow cold. But as Tim said so well, but in his presence, man, it's there that so many things happen. But one of them is discipleship. You following Christ is proven. Abiding gives us the privilege of bearing discipleship fruit. And the fruit keeps us fresh and flourishing. Now, that's anecdotal as well. I'm telling you that. It's true. It is keeping me fresh and flourishing. Loving people. Being with them. Encouraging them in Christ. Pouring my life into people. And, and bringing them along to do what? To simply abide in Christ. Not follow my curtail and be a Billy follower. No, I'm moving them to Jesus. To be a Jesus follower. I love how Oswald Chambers says this about joy. He says, a man is only fruitful, is only joyful when he fulfills the design of God's creation of him. And that is a joy that can never be quenched. What's fascinating about John 15 is people ask me, or ask you maybe, what is abiding? Well, I'll tell you one thing it is. One thing is, it's a way to get joy. It's, it's not why we do it. But in John 15, 11, he says, because he wants us to know his joy. That's why he shares these words. He says, I share these words to you, verses 1 through 8, because I want you to know my joy, and then it would be complete in you. And that's what I think Oswald is saying here, that joy can never be, can be quenched. What's the design? The design that God has put in our lives is to actually glorify him. Isaiah 43, 7. This glory that God said we were created for, in whom I created my glory. He created you to glorify him. Again, how? How? The fruit is the revealer of God's glory. The fruit is the discloser of God's glory. If there was a man who revealed God's glory in my life, it was my granddad. My granddad was a barber. He went to World War II. He decided he didn't want to be a cowboy and just get paid $1 a day herding steer to New Mexico and back to West Texas. So he became a barber, which he was in the Army. And then he lived in a small town called McKamey, Texas. My granddad was one of the finest men when I knew him. I know he struggled way back in the past with so many things, like maybe some of you today. But in an instant, he decided to follow Jesus, and it changed his life. This town of McKamey, I went to go see my granddad when he was dying. And he was in the hospital. It was just me. My sister showed up a little bit later. But I'm in the hospital, and he is already unable to talk. And he's breathing, and he's laying there. And I just watched one person after another come in and say, Your grandfather 
He loved me. He used to come, he used to come back and, and talk about how he, um, he was like 80. He was fresh and flourishing, and he was saying, well, I'm going to the old folks' home. I go, Granddad, you're an old folk. But he'd go play dominoes with them, and man, the glory of Jesus. He gave thousands and thousands of dollars to his little church there in McCamey, which we found out later. He went door to door giving away Bibles. The glory of Jesus flowed through my grandfather. My grandfather was eldering his city. He wasn't an elder. He was a deacon at a small church there. But he was eldering his city. He had a lot of trustworthy sayings, and I'm sure you have too, but here's some of them. It's not a good deal if you don't need it. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. One man's trash is another man's treasure. That's new. new. That's not. That is absolutely true for us. <laughs> Kelly will see junk on the side of the street, and I'm constantly having to put it in our minivan. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Practice what you preach. Apple never falls far from the tree. And then there's a new one Kelly and I have heard that we're holding on to. If money can solve it, it's not a problem. Paul gave us five statements where he classified them as trustworthy statements. I'm going to let you go on a journey, I hope, later and find the other four, but I'm going to just focus on one. It's 1 Timothy 3. He says, here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder desires a noble task. Let me just ask, when you look at the glorious older saints in your church, how do you think they got there? Sound doctrine? Yeah, probably. Resolute obedience? Without a doubt. Suffering without becoming cynical? For sure. But maybe there's another reason. Maybe... The deepest reason is that they have, over time, been won over in their deepest affections to the gentle Savior that they love. Let me read that again. Maybe it's they have, over time, been won over in their deepest affections to the gentle Savior. Perhaps they have simply tasted, over the years, the surprise of a Christ for whom their very sins drew him in, drew them in him in rather than push them away they finally have fulfilled the moment like yes you have loved me I can look back in the course of my life of how much that's true maybe they have not known that Jesus loved them quite so much until later in life and they orchestrated their life to love Jesus and others in this, word, there, in this verse, there's two main words, aspire and noble. Aspire is to have great ambition or an ultimate goal. And I love the one at the bottom, to rise high, move upwards. See, I think this is something that was told to a young man, Timothy, when he was probably 28, maybe 30. And Paul is... is pulling him up, saying, Timothy, there's so much more 
aspire to the things that are of the kingdom of God. They're eldering people. And what's interesting is Paul, if you read that in context, you'll see that he doesn't go straight into the, the uh, responsibilities of this person. He actually goes into the qualifications. Why is that? An elder, if you look at him, there's like 31 if you look at the Titus one. And you'll see these qualifications are things like hospitality, kindness. They're not that you know the Bible. They're all these things that are in your heart. They're who you are. They're not what you do. What are you aspiring to? It's a question we all need to ask. Is it grandkids? New position at work, lake house, newer lake house, fame, fortune, popularity. Well, I'm just going to tell you, Paul says the most noble is this eldering. Don't know what you're doing when you grow older, I'd say, right now, aspire. Aspire to elder. It's a noble. I love the definition of noble. It says, attractively good, good that inspires others to embrace what is lovely, beautiful, praiseworthy, well done, winsome. Eldering is an act, is the act of an elder. They used to come, you know, in the biblical times, they would actually go to the gate and there'd be these older men and they just elder. I asked a friend of mine, many of you know probably here, Lance Humphreys, once when I was, we were trying to figure out what elders were in New York City. And I said, Lance, what do you think an elder is? He goes, well, he had that Oklahoma accent. I think that he, he said, I walk into a room and I see the people that are eldering. They're in the corner. They're loving people. Typically not talking about themselves. Typically talking about Jesus. 1 Corinthians 4 says, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, hmm, who is my beloved and faithful child hmm, in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere. In every church. First question for me is, do I have any Timothys? Do I have any people I have helped parent? Because, see, Paul wasn't Timothy's parent. You can see in 2 Timothy, he talks about his grandmother, Lois. Isn't that right? Lois? I'm going off blank. Something like that. I don't think. Her name does matter, but it doesn't matter in this context. Why? It's just... <laughs> My parents were like most parents in Dallas, trying to live a life of caring for their, parent, for their own parents at the same time they were caring for their kids. My grandmother lived in our modest home in Dallas. I remember my parents building a garage apartment for Mimi. My mother and her mom didn't get along too well, but my mother opened our home to her and loved her the best she knew how. My mom taught music at elementary schools in Richardson. My dad worked 
from sunup to sundown with a company called Texas Power and Light. During the day, my parents were at work and my sister and I were at school. But what ruled our family many nights was alcohol and anger. My parents did their best, but they were not parenting us spiritually. Faith didn't show up on our radar until my, even with my parents until later. I became a Christian in college. Um, faith didn't show up unless one thing happened. What changed in my home? My, both my parents died believers. They both, my mom stopped drinking. Miracles formulated. My sister came to Christ and started following Jesus and was a missionary and it all started with a guy named Gary Run. He lived out 2 Timothy 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these into faithful people who will be able to teach others also. See, Gary met me at a busy cafeteria at the University of Oklahoma. A complete stranger. I had met him the night before at a Bible study... My fraternity and sorority, we were doing with sorority, and I only went there, it wasn't for the Bible. And I, he said something in his talk, and it sparked my thought, and I went and met with him, and he talked to me for a long time, and he turned to me, and he said, Billy, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I've been going to ch church all my life. And he said, well, Billy, can I share the, what's called the gospel with you that day? I placed my filthy rags to Jesus. I received his righteousness. But the main thing Gary did for me is afterwards, he spiritually parented me through my journey. So I'm going to tie 1 Corinthians 4 with 2 Timothy 2. 1 Corinthians 4 says, For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. He's talking to the church in Corinth. What is spiritual parenting? What is this, this idea of tutor? You know, we have a lot of tutors, but we don't have any spiritual parents. Here's Paul talking about Timothy. and Well, Paul stepped in, and he spiritually began to invest in the people around him. But that wasn't, you're going, but I'm not Paul. Well, I'm not either. I mean, what's fascinating to me is that as a parent, I didn't get perfect at parenting, ever. Like, I had a child, and I go, what is this thing? I don't know how to operate it. And I certainly don't know how to love it. But I was wrong. I learned. I actually do know how to love it. Just like you know how to love the people around you. And it's simply just doing that very act is spiritual parenting. So as you grow older, discipleship becomes entrusting of things that you've learned to the people around you. You may not disciple everyone that comes your way, but Paul classifies faithful people around you. So invest, throw out the seed, and you'll find people. And they're hungry, and they want you to simply show them the love of Christ.
John 15, we're here. In John 15, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. I shared that earlier. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he gathers those up, and it's basically like getting drunk. It's dissipation. It's you've wasted your life if you don't bear fruit. So this brings all of what I've shared, growing old, being fresh and flourishing, bearing fruit, discipleship, eldering. This passage brings it all together. Abide in the vine or abide in the fruit. Which one are you going to do? Are you going to look to produce fruit and all that it entails? And it's typically about you and your kingdom? Or are you going to look into the vine where his righteousness lives? Because he says, be in the vine. Because that's where the righteousness is. And when I'm living righteously, I am like a beacon in the dark. I don't know how it happens, but words come out of my mouth. People come off the street almost. I can share a comic strip and they come to faith instead of read the word of God. I mean, it's almost the Holy Spirit plays these games with me, laughable games. But if I am actually living in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'm in the vine. The righteousness flows through me. Wherever you are today, God gives you the course correction. If you're over here, if you're living in this, this, you know, I am just focused on the fruit. I have to strive. I have to make it happen. I have to pull my strap, you know, the straps up of my boots. I have to be the one that actually does this. Or I am in the vine. I am resting in the vine. I have surrendered to you, Jesus, and I have given you my life. I do it every morning. I say, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. I surrender my life to you. Just a couple more verses. And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come as someone with superior speech. So wherever you are, whatever you do, it really isn't about you. It's the Holy Spirit flowing through you because you've surrendered to him. Niebuhr, an American theologian, said, you may be able to compel people to maintain certain minimum standards by stressing duty, but the highest moral and spiritual achievements depend upon a push, not a pull. People must be charmed into righteousness. Augustine says, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Dallas Willard says, to, to believe something is to act as if it is so. Believe who God really is and who you really are and let the love and faith flow. I want to ask you, can you imagine today, right now, can you imagine what your life would look like if you lived every moment of every day believing the God of all creation was faithful to you. If you simply had that belief, he is faithful. There is nothing that's going to separate him 
from that, from me. He loves me so much, he'd never stop being faithful to you or me. Even in his command, when he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven, and go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The part we often don't underscore is the very last word before he ascended into heaven was actually, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. It's not us following that command as much as we are just following him. Andrew Murray died in 1917, and Robbie, if you would like to come up, um, but he's been discipling me for a long time, 20 years. If you've read Abiding in Christ, good for you. If not, what are you waiting on? This book has transformed my life in many ways. But he throws out this one phrase. It's called, hush the soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I've always skipped over the soul thing, like because I, I never really got it. Like, what are you talking about? So I took a deep dive, and please... For those deep theologians in here, please give me just a smidge of grace right now because all I'm trying to make is a practical point here. The soul is actually like the engine center to me. It's where if, if I actually, my soul leans into the kingdom of God and, and producing, I mean, bearing fruit, then my flesh typically follows. If my soul leans into darkness, my flesh certainly follows. So living righteously is actually in a very important piece, is the soul. And so Andrew Murray talks about hushing the soul. Hushing the soul is one of the most critical things to me right now in my life. He writes this quote. One word is misspelled. My wife let me know. It is a soul silent before God that is best prepared for knowing Jesus and for holding on to the blessing he bestows. It is when the soul is hushed in silent awe and worship before the holy presence revealed within that the still small voice of the blessed spirit will be heard. Therefore, beloved Christian, as often as as you seek to better understand the blessed mystery of abiding in Christ, let this be your first thought. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. I'm going to give us the privilege just for a moment. I'm going to ask you to say to God, hush my soul. I want to hear from you. Is there anything that has been said today that I need to move Maybe it's from the spectrum of the fruit to the actual vine. But I'm just going to ask if you'll just pray with me right now. Bow your head if you'd like or stare at me. I don't care. I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, come.
Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are, you're so in love with each one of us. You're so focused on me. You care so deeply about me. And you care so deeply about my friends in this room. Hush. Hush our soul. Help us to hear your voice right now. God's prized possession. You're not forgotten. You are chosen. You've been purchased with Christ's blood. You are not an orphan. You are not alone. You're not unwanted. You're not defeated. You are made new. You are a citizen of heaven. You cannot separated from his love. Almighty God, we want so much to grow old, aspiring to the things of the kingdom. May we all become eldering people. May our lives be fresh and flourishing as we grow old. And may your fruit just fall off of us today. And may people eat that fruit and go, Jesus, Jesus loves me. Jesus is the one. May that happen today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.